0: Hi, Misfits. This is Kevin.
1: And this is Kate.
0: Welcome to Horrorwood. I was going to do the do-do-do-do-do-do-do, but no. Welcome to Horrorwood.
1: I thought you forgot the name of the show for a second.
0: Welcome to Blorder Blues. You
1: were like, welcome to (laughs) Horrorwood.
0: Yeah. Hey, Kate. <laughs> hey, Kevin. How are you? I'm good.
1: It's September, which I fucking oh my love. God. Yeah. Have you had your pumpkin coffee yet?
0: Not today.
1: Okay, I'm in shock. I'm but... in shock,
0: too, but it's going <laughs> to happen later. I'm sure it will. Yeah, because I ordered, I woke up and I really wanted a sausage biscuit. Sure. And I was just like, I haven't had one in like months. I really want one. Yeah. So I ordered McDonald's for breakfast and got a... A coffee from there But they mm-hmm. didn't have The pumpkin syrup They d- They normally have it
1: Oh but they were out
0: it wasn't on the menu Oh On Uber Eats
1: Can I tell you about McDonald's breakfast Yeah When I was in high school And my senior year I had a hand-me-down car And I was finally able to drive yes. So my th- thing every morning before school was I would pull in through the McDonald's drive-thru and get myself a biscuit Ah. and then roll up into my homeroom and be like, sup, bitches. Oh
0: my God, that sounds amazing. I don't
1: know why I thought I was so cool with the McDonald's biscuit. I thought you were very cool. Thank you. I would have sat
0: in the back and be like, that girl knows what's up (laughs) and where it's at.
1: Even though like the car was breaking down and I never had gas. (laughs) You had a
0: McDonald's biscuit every morning.
1: True. And now my belly shows it. (laughs) Worth it. Um. Before we get started, I have to shout out mm. our newest patronian, Wendy Evans. This is your shout out, Wendy
0: the Wendy City.
1: Oh, she actually is from here. Yeah, so that that worked. Oh, Thank you did you. that on purpose. I did. <laughs> Well, good job. Yay. You're on top of things. Thanks. Uh, Thank you so much. She's our newest Misfit Murderino. So Mm -hmm. she's getting those bonus episodes. And we so appreciate your support.
0: And those bonus episodes are fun. I
1: think so, too. I feel like the
0: last few we've done, Kate, have been really like a good time
1: there's some interesting ones on there like I felt like the Glenn Close one that you did was a different kind of case from anything that we've done before and I thought that was really cool you
0: did about that girl in Wisconsin
1: oh Jesse Blodgett yeah
0: Yeah. that was crazy
1: we got Phil Hartman on there we got Kelsey Grammer
0: on there so many
1: so thank you Wendy and um yeah welcome to the Misfit Murderino Club
0: here we go here we are.
1: And then, oh, before, update. so I, yeah, I do mm-hmm. have an update. So we posted it on our story last week, if you happen to see that. But the Amy Harwick case, uh, her alleged killer is currently on trial, Gareth Pursehouse. And uh, how do you spell that? G A R E T H, but it doesn't matter because he's a fuckface.
0: I heard you say Purse House.
1: Oh, Purse House is his last name, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no, that's what I meant, the last name. (laughs) P-U-R-S-E. Like, Purse. Purse House. House.
0: A house, that's a purse. Cha-cha-cha, he's terrible.
1: He's terrible. And I was watching the opening statements, and oh, my God. Like, if they don't convict him of first-degree murder, because that's what it was. Right. Allegedly. And listening to the opening statements between the attorneys it's just like to be a juror on that case i don't know how you could I sit don't through that know. just oh it's it's really horrific they're clearly trying to his defense is clearly trying to go for like a manslaughter case sure. um, or conviction no like there's ring video there's oh, text it, messages it, are they
0: going to go for voluntary manslaughter <laughs> You really I hate that? I fucking hate voluntary manslaughter.
1: <laughs> I hate any kind of manslaughter. I don't like
0: when people get hurt or die.
1: Because this is actually a really sad case that.
0: <laughs> this is that you're fucking doing. awful.
1: I'll let you take it away.
0: Okay. Today we're talking about the Twilight Zone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You are about to enter another dimension. I am. A dimension not only out of sight and sound, but of mind. <gasps> A journey into a wondrous land of imagination. Next stop, the Twilight Zone.
1: Did we just get sued?
0: We might have. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that has to be in public domain now. It's from the 50s.
1: I thought it was 70s. Mm, 50s.
0: 1959.
1: Oh, okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anywho. That is the intro to the popular series, The Twilight Zone, a fictional horror anthology series that ran for five seasons on CBS from October 2nd, 1959. I don't know why I said that. That sounded like a Maryland accent. Like from October 2nd, 1959.
1: I didn't even hear that. (laughs) I
0: did. I was like surprised (laughs) to June 19th, 1964.
1: Okay. You know what? I I think I was thinking 70s because of... The movie,
0: yeah. Well, there's movies and there's been multiple reboots, sure. And yeah, this is one of the most popular TV series of all time, Mm. so it still gets aired and talked about a lot today. Yeah, it was created and presented by Rod Sterling, and it's widely regarded, as I just said, uh, as one of the best television series of all time, according to several listicles, several of them, magazines, and publications and organizations
1: and charities and charities and foundations and
0: buildings (laughs) and And world leaders
1: (laughs) political figures (laughs) and congress rock stars
0: the series has been revived multiple times Mm -hmm. uh in 1985 2002 and most recently 2019 i think it was Okay, I'm going to blank on his name and I shouldn't. He did get out. He did us. Jordan, um, Jordan Peel. Yeah, I think Jordan Peel had a hand in this. Okay. Cuz I feel like I've seen clips of him uh doing the intro as like the
1: oh, intro. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'd be really interested to watch that. I need to figure out what it's on.
1: It's a series of 2019? It's a series. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know if it's still going. I'll look that up in Okay. a minute. So the series is this crossroads of like science fiction, horror, and fantasy, mm-hmm. um, telling stories that usually have some kind of moral lesson in the end. Sure. Very in tune with popular culture at the time and mm-hmm. things that are going on.
1: Keeping it topical. Keeping
0: it topical. So, because the Twilight Zone was such a hit in popular culture, and through decades, Warner Brothers made an anthology movie mm-hmm. with Steven Steel. St- oh my God, <laughs> Steelberger! <laughs> I kind of like that. I, name, I do though. too. Uh, did you see The Fablemans? No, I did not like it. I'm sorry, hot take. I apologize to. <laughs> hey, fans. everyone is a everyone is welcome here. And it's it's not that it's not a good story, and it wasn't very sure. beautifully acted. Sure. But I just it didn't catch me. Yeah. Anyway, Steven Spielberg was not Spielberg. Not Spielberger. That sounds like a porn name, like a porn actor.
1: Okay, my mind went. Oh, that sounds like a restaurant.
0: <laughs> Oh. Like Spielberg. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and you went sorry. porn starring Steven Spielberger and John <laughs> Steel. I don't know. I can't. I'm in that space where You're in the twilight zone. I'm in the twilight zone. In the twi- Kate. Kevin. That's what I'm going to call it when I can't think of words. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the twilight zone. <laughs> And then I'll just walk away from a conversation. Yes. Leave them wanting more. Right. What? <laughs> so, yeah, he was attached as a producer and a director for one of the film's segments. Mm-hmm. The movie's title is um, Twilight Zone. The movie. Really
1: not bearing the lead <laughs> at all. No, no. You're just like, here it is. <laughs>
0: that's right. It's like the Lizzie McGuire movie. We know what that's about. Uh, yeah. I know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not uh, to me. It's not a su- super interesting because it was essentially just remakes or retellings of really popular Twilight Zone TV show episodes.
1: Oh, okay, that I did not know. Mm.
0: Most, I think, most of them are. I'll go through a short synopsis of what they were about. Okay, but the movie was rated PG and held the tagline on June twenty fourth for acclaimed directors George Miller. John Landis, Joe Dante, and Steven Spielberg take you to another dimension. The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. So on June 24th, 1983, mm-hmm. Twilight Zone the movie opened to mixed reviews. Mm. It sounds like people thought it was just kind of meh. Okay. Okay. And I actually, I haven't seen it in its entirety. Yeah. But I read mostly about it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not available for free on streaming, and I did not feel like paying for I hear you. <laughs> to watch a movie that nobody really likes that much. <laughs> I don't want to do that. No. However, you, I don't need to have seen it to know what had happened around it. Mm-hmm. It didn't perform super well at the box office when it first came out, but it has since grossed an estimated 29 million dollars worldwide
1: which sounds like a lot of money it does sound like a
0: lot well in the budget was 10 million dollars okay but I'm wondering how long between like when it came out and then did that gross that much sure because it doesn't sound like the studio was making their money back when it first hit box offices got it I think that the opening weekend was like six million
1: isn't that weird that like a movie makes six million dollars and is considered a flop yeah
0: yeah. if i had six insane? million
1: dollars i feel excited for life exactly well,
0: you know nowadays who knows yeah
1: well six months at least <laughs> right
0: exactly in this political and social and financial climate this is this is the this twilight is the horror Zone. twilight Zone. yeah it is so the movie was an anthology consisting of four separate segments that were each helmed by those different directors mm-hmm. mentioned the, there was a prologue, which was like the opening sequence. Uh, it was written and directed by John Landis and stars Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks. Two men are driving along a road and talking about which episodes of the original Twilight oh, okay. Zone that they found most terrifying. I see. I won't give away what happens next because it's gruesome. Ooh. Oh.
1: I mean, I think you can give it away. It's like 40 years I mean, the the passenger,
0: like, uh, turns into a... He's like, what about... Is this scary? And turns into a monster and eats the driver. Well,
1: then, yeah. I'd say that's scary.
0: (laughs) I kind of want to watch it now that I'm talking about this. (laughs) Maybe we should watch it together. Yeah, we should. So the first segment of the movie was titled Time Out. And this is the bad one. Just as a a foreshadowing heads up. Is
1: this John Landis's? Yeah, this is John Landis's. So, yeah. I do know about this. Mm -hmm.
0: This was actually a reworking of the original... Twilight Zone episode titled Back There, okay, um, about a man who leaves a club after having a conversation about time travel, only to find that he's been transported to the past. This segment was also written and directed by John Landis. Mm -hmm. I think I said that already. Oops. So the second segment was a remake of the episode Kick the Can, which was directed by Steven Spielberger. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg I know I know <laughs> and I did it on purpose okay um an elderly man named Mr. Bloom has just moved into Sunnyvale Retirement Home where he gets tired of hearing the residents reminisce about the joyful experiences of their youth oh he's like he's Y'all, one of those we can still have a good time yeah you need to stop living in the past start living in the future okay and maybe take some Percocets I don't know what you need to do to feel better yeah
1: to each his own
0: (laughs) this leads to Bloom inviting the residents to a special game of kick the can where they are transformed back into children oh I see Mm. (laughs) you look
1: really into that
0: I kind of want to watch this now. Yeah, you do. The third segment was a remake of the episode It's a Good Life uh, and was directed by Joe Dante about a woman named Helen Foley who is on her way to a new job when she stops by a rural bar for directions. Cause okay. She's a little bit lost. She meets a young boy, Anthony, at the bar.
1: A young boy at the bar?
0: Yeah. I have
1: questions. D- I mean,
0: I have questions too. Okay. I think he's just hanging out. Like not drink. Does. I don't think he's drinking, but apparently he's like being bullied by some bar regulars or something. They're just being mean to the kid.
1: Well, maybe the kid shouldn't be in the bar.
0: I you know, I asked myself that same question when I was a child cuz I got <laughs> yelled at
1: every time you walked into the every bar. Every time I
0: walked into the bar and they're like Kevin go home and I'm like I want to play with the pool balls.
1: I have so many thoughts.
0: And don't do that because then mean old drunks will yell at you. You just wanted to play with balls. I just wanted to play with the pool balls. You know, I don't even know what was happening. I was like seven.
1: Okay. I was. You were like. You were just a seven-year-old in a bar. You just wanted to play with balls. I
0: did. I did, Kate. That's all I wanted to do. All you've ever wanted wanted to to do. do. (laughs) Oh, Helen. Helen Foley from this segment yes, of yes. the Twilight Zone movie. I picked up on that. Thank you. She, uh, so Anthony, uh, but then she goes to leave the bar and she backs into him with her car. <gasps> oh, this <laughs> took a turn. No, but it, not hurting him. He was on his bike and just fell over. And I guess like she mangled the bike, not okay. him. Okay. He can't get anywhere now. So she's like, let me give you a ride home. And she meets his very interesting family mm. and I'll leave it at that Okay. I think there might be a little bit of a kidnapping situation Uh-oh. the fourth and final segment is a remake of the episode titled Nightmare at 20,000 Feet mm. which was directed by George Miller uh, during a rough flight through a treacherous thunderstorm passenger John Valentine is having a panic attack in the bathroom this is
1: my nightmare
0: he looks out the window do you know this one I don't know. He looks out the window and sees a gremlin on the window of a plane. No, I don't know this Gremlins one. and planes. Gremlins and planes are like a thing. What? Because I I think it's lore. But sure. But there's other movies about gremlins and planes. I watched one with Chloe Grace Moretz recently called I love Shadow in the Cloud. It's on Hulu, okay. I think. Um, it's bananas, but it's about gremlins and World War II airplanes. <laughs>
1: Okay, I know there there are people listening right now who were like, "Yeah, totally." I know all about this. I've never heard. Of I it. I think
0: you know that's my next episode. Okay, the Gremlins are famous. I wrote as a joke. This will soon be a Gremlin Lore podcast. Just kidding. It won't be.
1: I really like when you write your jokes.
0: Because <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> when I read them, it's like I forget that I wrote them, and I go back to it, and I'm like, "Oh well." Now there's the flow is gone. I just
1: like that you say I wrote this joke, I wrote this and joke. then you tell the joke. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things.
0: <laughs> so the first segment of this film, Time Out, was the subject of much controversy similar to The Exorcist, mm. led to the film's status as a cursed movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, though. I will
1: say right now, it's not cursed. It's not
0: cursed. It's just a freak accident with a, actually not even a freak accident.
1: Yeah, not even that.
0: We'll get to it. Um, I want to talk about a few things before we talk about that. Sure, great. Unfortunately, the production of this movie would mean the death of three people during filming. And it was all caught on camera. Mm. So we'll dive into the accident much more. But I first want to talk a little bit about actor Vic Morrow, Mm -hmm. who starred in this segment of this movie. So the main character of the segment Bill Connor is played by actor Vic Morrow who was born on February 14th, 1929 in the Bronx. He was born to Gene and Harry Morrow. His parents were both Russian Russian Oh my god, sorry. His parents were both Russian Jewish immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh Morrow dropped out of high school when he was 17. To pursue a career in the U.S. Navy. Oh. Isn't that crazy?
1: I have a feeling that was not uncommon back then.
0: It didn't sound, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like it back at that time. Right. So after leaving the Navy, Morrow studied pre-law at Florida State. Okay. During college, he joined the cast of a play and actually ended up liking acting more than law.
1: Go figure. (laughs) I get it. Yeah.
0: I wrote that too. Dot, dot, dot.
1: I get it. Exclamation point.
0: (laughs) Actually, it's a period. Oh. He went back to New York and went to the actor's workshop to hone his performance skills. Mm. When he graduated, he appeared in a summer stock production of A Streetcar Named Desire.
1: Okay. Mm.
0: He eventually made his on-screen debut when he was signed to MGM to play a street punk in the 1955 movie Blackboard Jungle. Hmm. He was typecast as a heavy. What does heavy mean?
1: I think that means someone who's gonna...
0: Like, brutish, big guy. Yeah, like,
1: the muscle. Like, if he has to, like, like, say it's a movie about... These bad guys who were like gonna go rough someone up to yeah. get some money, and he's the, heavy. he's the heavy. I think that's what that okay. means. Okay,
0: I looked it up and I just couldn't find a clear explanation.
1: I don't know that, that my explanation was clear. Well, but...
0: I mean, I think I, we can kind of surmise yeah. what, what they're talking about, but I wrote, I don't know what this means exactly, but I think a tough man.
1: That sounds great.
0: <laughs> that wasn't a joke, that was just me, that was like, just hmm, yep, speculating,
1: just giving your statement. <laughs>
0: Uh, He did not like being typecast at all. I don't think anyone does. you know, he just felt pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. um, And he didn't like it so much that he ended up leaving MGM after just a few years. Oh, okay. And went back to school to study directing at the University of Southern California. Oh, wow. He did some acting here and there after that contract with MGM. But then he got the role that made him, like, a hero. Mm. And it was on the TV show Combat. Uh, which started in 1962 and he played Sergeant Chip Saunders, who was a veteran squad leader. Okay. I think it's a World War II drama series Mm, is what it sounded like. Uh, The series ran for five seasons And after that, Morrow had some trouble finding some steady acting work. Mm.
1: I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah.
0: He slid back into that heavy typecasting uh, and mainly found work in TV movies and B movies.
1: Okay. Not what actors really want want, to go for. Right.
0: But he also did some work in theater here and there Mm -hmm. as he was, you know, bouncing back and forth between TV shows. Morrow had two marriages that didn't last too long. One was to Gail A. Lester and one to Barbara Turner, with whom he had two children. Hmm. Carrie Ann Morrow and Jennifer Jason Lee.
1: Did not know that. Me Ni- neither. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: After many years of struggling in film and dealing with the death of his mother, he made a comeback of sorts when he landed the role of the loudmouth bigot Bill Connor mm. in the Twilight Zone movie. Got it. So this was like a—he a, was coming back because this was a big movie, right? Right. Like, right. Uh, leading up to it, huge directors, by Spielberg, like Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. all types. It was in his favor. Yep. To take this part. Famed Hollywood director at the time, John Landis, was directing that first segment uh, and the prologue. Landis had some big directing credits under his belt at this time. Um, horror classic, An American Werewolf in London uh, from 1981, which I still haven't seen.
1: Mm. I'm,
0: you know, I've seen Amer- An American Werewolf in Paris uh-huh. from like the late 90s. Yeah, I feel like
1: that's the one I've seen.
0: <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I kind of want to watch that too. Ooh. Ooh. Feels like a double feature coming on. Shadow in a cloud. Gremlins. gremlins. Kate, there's a gremlin on the plane. Ah! Get these gremlin motherfucking <laughs> gremlins
1: off this motherfucking plane!
0: I would try to keep one as pets. Where
1: is Samuel L. Jackson when we when need you him? When we need
0: him, a gremlin pops out of your sweaters, and I'm like, oh. And you're like, oh, something
1: I meant to tell you. I meant to
0: tell you when I went to five below, <laughs> I found this. just a five dollar gremlin <laughs> and I thought it was fake. Turns out it's real. You hear like <sighs> in the background.
1: <laughs> we're really we're, we're, we're off a, the chain. We're in a moment.
0: Um, so yeah, American Werewolf in London in 1981, The Blues Brothers in 1980, mm-hmm. big one. Yep. And National Lampoon's Animal House in 1978, um. another big one. Landis is also known for directing Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Oh yeah. And the comedies Trading Places, Three Amigos, and Spies Like Us. All right. He's a he was a big time. Not a bad resume. Nope. So as previously stated, the segment that Morrow was in dealt with the time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like this loud bigot guy who, you know, was very against like... Any other nationalities. Yeah, because he was like a racist. racist. And so like one yeah. thing,
1: like he, he traveled back and he was a black man who was being like, wasn't right. that part of it?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So his character kept being transported back mm-hmm. to different wars yeah. to experience what those people had to go through. So he went back to Clan era South. He went to Nazi Germany and the Vietnam War. Mm hmm. And he's mistaken for the people that he was making fun of previously. Right. The ending of this segment uh, was meant to be a culmination of fire and stunts. Like, it's wartime in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mean to try to make that sound exciting, but from a film standpoint, like, I think that's what they're going for. Like, right. big effects are going to happen. And it ends up with Moro being chased by a military helicopter, which was a Bell UH UH-1 Iroquois helicopter, which was a utility military helicopter designed and produced by American company Bell Helicopter. I'm going to say helicopter a lot. It was the first turbine-powered helicopter in service with the United States military. Mm. The helicopter was being piloted by an actual Vietnam War veteran, Dorsey Wingo, and contained five other passengers. Mm. Morrow's character was working to save two Vietnamese children, carrying them across a river to safety as their village burned in the background. This scene was the last one to be shot for the film, and the crew was preparing for a rap party afterwards. It was being filmed at Indian Dunes Park, a movie ranch in Valencia, California, which I guess is about 40 miles outside of LA. Mm-hmm. The two children were a little boy, Micah Din Lee, age seven, and a little girl, Renee Shinyi Chen, age six. And I apologize if I butchered those names. No, I think that's right. I, I tried to look up the pronunciations, but...
1: I th- i actually, I think that was actually spot okay, on.
0: good. Yay. Due to poor planning and not enough rehearsal time, everything went woefully wrong. I mean, this Al- is what... So allegedly due to planning and not enough rehearsal time, because this, this, we'll get to it. Sure. What were you going to say?
1: I was going to say, this is what makes this case so tragic, is that back then there weren't a lot of safety pr- protocols in right. place on mm-hmm. film, if any. And I'm sure you're going to get to this, but these children were hired illegally. Yep. And yep, yep. I'll, I'll let you get to all of that, but it's something that could have been prevented. It,
0: oh, absolutely. Oh, no question. So during filming, Dar- pilot Dorsey Wingo stationed the helicopter 25 feet from the ground while hovering near an explosion effect. Mm-hmm. He started to turn the aircraft uh, 180 degrees to the left for another camera shot. The effect was detonated, the explosion, before the tail of the helicopter was out of the way. They called these like mortar effects. So like the metal lid from that burst Mm. and hit the tail of the helicopter, causing the rotor to fail and detach from the tail. Wingo lost control of the craft and it started to spin out. Mm-hmm. It crashed into the river where Moro was with the two Vietnamese children on each arm, you know, shooting the scene to get to safety. Mm-hmm. It crashed right into them and immediately killed Moro and both children. Mm-hmm. He was 53 years old at the time, Vic Moro. Moro and Micah Din Lee were decapitated. Uh, And Renee was crushed by the helicopter because she had fallen into the water and he had gone down to pick her up. Mm -hmm. So when the helicopter came down, it decapitated both of them and then crushed her. But this doesn't make it better, but they were killed pretty much instantly.
1: What hurts my heart the most is, you know, their parents were there on set. Actually, I don't think they,
0: I mean, they were there, but I don't believe that they were watching Oh,
1: that's good. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the case. From what
0: it sounds like, I'll get into. I'll okay, get into yeah, where they I'll were, let you get Because Okay, the parents testified during the trial about what had happened, okay. and their stories matched up.
1: I see. Okay, perfectly.
0: This is a weird thing. Morrow had a kind of a premonition years earlier that he would be involved in a helicopter accident. Oh, while filming "Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry" in 1973. He is reported to have insisted on getting a $1 million life insurance policy before shooting any scenes with the helicopter he was meant to be riding in for the film. Oh. He reportedly said, quote, I have always had a premonition I was going to die in a helicopter crash.
1: That is weird. Isn't it?
0: So shortly before he started filming Twilight Zone... He allegedly told a production assistant, "quote I must be out of my mind to be doing this. I should have asked for a stunt double. What can they do but kill me? Right?" <gasps> oh, give me chills. Oh,
1: I yeah. Oh, oh, I don't like it.
0: That's all reported. I don't. That's not like filmed or on record. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So take that as you will. Sure. But, I mean, it's still spooky. Yeah. Investigators of the accident found a myriad of problems with the set and the production. Mm-hmm. The children, even being on that set, was completely illegal. Yeah. Child labor laws would not have let them be there so late, and no on-set child welfare worker would have let those kids work so close to fire, explosions, and a helicopter. hmm The children were kids of mutual friends of director John Landis and associate producer George Folsey Jr. They kept the kids names out of any official paperwork and paid them in petty cash. That's so wrong. Yeah. They were also immigrants and did not have proper work permits. According to an article in the New York Times, a production sector, Secretary recalled Landis joking of the scheme, saying, "We're all going to jail." Oh, I hate all of this. It's disgusting. Oh, and my next sentence I wrote: Landis was a shit-tastic director and was prone to throwing fits and screaming at everyone. Great. He didn't want to listen to anyone and would, would ignore advice, especially when crew members raised concerns about safety on set.
1: Great. Sounds like a super awesome leader.
0: Sound familiar? Mm. Friedkin. For instance, during one of the scenes, he didn't like the sound of fake gunfire, so he demanded that they use live (laughs) rounds. hate it, hate (laughs) it. Regarding the helicopter scene, the communication between the director, special effects crew, and helicopter pilot was just like a mishmash.
1: I feel like if you're working on that set, you kind of want to know that you're going to be safe. Right. I feel like all right. those people involved, the fact that these are grown ass adults that right. are just like, sure, okay, that sounds well, and fine then to me. They're
0: bending to the will of this like dictator director. Yeah, and it's just you know, oh, there's some more in here. Sure, I'll I'll just keep going. <laughs> so this actually went to trial on July twenty third, nineteen eighty six which is like four years after the fact that it happened in Los Angeles. So five people working on the movie were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Director John Landis, special effects coordinator Paul Stewart, associate producer George Folsey Jr., production manager Dan Allingham, and stunt helicopter pilot Dorsey Wingo. Landis, Folsey, and Allingham were also charged with violating the child labor laws in California by bringing the children onto set after 6.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. All five of the defendants pleaded, pled or pleaded, I I forget. You know
1: what? I think it can be both because I've seen it both ways.
0: All five of the defendants pleaded not guilty to the involuntary manslaughter charge. The chief prosecutor was Leah Perwin D'Agostino a deputy Los Angeles district attorney at the time who was nicknamed the Dragon Lady. Oh. Because of her sharp style and going... All out on theatrics for her cases. She sounds like a boss bitch. And okay. I think it was just the dumb sexist news media who was like, She's a dragon because she's right. harsh. Right. So, like, fuck them. She is amazing. I love everything she said in this case. Okay, great. She said that the prosecution would move forward on the basis of gross negligence, mm-hmm. placing the actors in an inherently dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. The case was presided over by Judge Roger W. Borden. Landis brought in a highbrow lawyer, James Neal, who was a former Watergate prosecutor oh. who won acquittal for the Ford Motor Company in 1980 for an exploding Pinto sedan case. Oh, So I... getting shitty people off. Oh Right, with... right. Oh, I mean off.
1: Of... <laughs> My mind didn't even go there on I that d- one.
0: Don't. Well, he's, he's not great news.
1: Yeah, he doesn't sound like it.
0: Special effects technician on the movie, James Camomile, uh, well, it's chamomile. C A M O M I L E. That's chamomile or chamomile.
1: I could go with either.
0: I'm going to say chamomile. Okay. I don't because
1: feels... chamomile sounds too yeah. nice. Yeah, I feel like
0: chamomile has an H in there somewhere. It does. Okay, this doesn't. Okay. So he testified in a trial after the accident that he was more focused on the safety of the actors and did not look up at the helicopter before setting off the explosives.
1: How can you say you're focused right. on the safety of the actors and not bother to look up well, at the stunt? Well,
0: here's the thing. Chamomile was never told that the helicopter would be brought in at a height of just 24 feet.
1: Why wasn't he told that? This is all so fucked right. up.
0: He testified in court that if he had known that, it would have most likely affected his decision to place the bombs where he did.
1: Mm. This is awful. He didn't
0: know the flight path of the helicopter either. However, Camomile later went on to say that he set some of the explosions off probably a little too early. Ugh. According to the New York Times articles I read, he wasn't a very reliable like witness. He was yeah. kind of changing up stories i think just to save his own ass it sounds of like of course
1: it sounds like these were a bunch of grown-ass men all trying to save their They're own ass up. yeah
0: mm-hmm. so mark chen father of six-year-old renee shin yi chen killed in the accident mm-hmm. testified during the trial that he had not been told that his daughter would be filmed amid explosions or beneath a hovering helicopter mm. Mark's brother, Peter, was a friend of Donna Schumann, who was a production secretary for the movie, and approached him about using Renee in the movie. Mm -hmm. Chen said that associate producer George Folsey Jr. told him that an actor would carry his daughter across a river. That's it. Wow. Mr. Chen and his wife were given $500 in cash after the first round of filming with their daughter. They were told that they would get more when they returned to the set. Mm. Someone came to get the kids from a trailer Where they had been sleeping And that's the last time Chen saw his daughter alive oh. I don't believe I think the From what I read It sounds like the parents stayed in the trailer In the trailer um, Because it was so late And they had all been sleeping Because oh production God. came and got them I From what I read It sounds like they were, had been shooting earlier in the day But the kids were like laughing During filming And kind of giggling And they weren't they weren't able to get the shots they needed so they just so they blamed it on the kids sounds like it oh my god the trial lasted a total of 10 months
1: oh wow yeah landis
0: our landis testified that he had seen nothing inherently dangerous in plans for the scene
1: i okay (laughs) we have to stop You know, yeah, it's totally weird. It's totally there was fine. this helicopter that was going to be flying super close to people's heads, and we were going to have some bombs going off. P.S. They are in a river. I just don't see anything wrong with it.
0: It's a excuse it's a hot, me, it's a hot mess, explosions, helicopters, water, kids, what? Blades.
1: Oh my god! People don't
0: know what negligent people.
1: This makes me so angry.
0: So he gave a tearful testimony. Sure, he did. But it contradicted accounts of more than a dozen witnesses on the events that led to the crash. So, D'Augustino tried to tell the jury that no responsible movie director would have even put those actors in that dangerous situation. Exactly.
1: Exactly. She knows
0: what she's talking about. She knows her shit. The defense tried to convince the jury that the helicopter was disabled by heat damage to the tail rotor during special effects explosions, which resulted in the crash. True. And that could not have been foreseen. I have thoughts. They were on the freak accident train. Right, right. And it sounded like the jury was a little bit starstruck at all of this. I'm sure. It's the 80s. Yeah. I I don't like it. Regarding the violation of child labor laws and the following civil case that was outside of the criminal charges Mm. because they violated these labor laws. Warner Brothers, John Landis, George Folsey Jr. and Dan Allingham were all found in violation of putting those kids in dangerous situations. Good, because they did. They were appealing those civil Mm. violations, but they dropped their appeals against them and paid 20000 in fines each, which is like over $80,000. Mm-hmm. This had no impact on the criminal charges, however, a separate case. I mean, same case, but right. separate. The families also filed civil suits against Landis and several other defendants associated with the movie. The lawsuits had sought damages of more than $200 million from the defendants. Agreements were reached in 1987. So I kept looking for what those settlements were. Mm -hmm. I can't find it. It's not... I don't Maybe think it's it wasn't public. made public. Yeah. I couldn't find anything concrete. The settlement suit was sealed by the courts at the time. Mm. Um, so it doesn't look like that info ever was made public. Okay. But I did read somewhere that allegedly it was 850000 but I think that might be a rumor. Okay. Jennifer Jason Leigh and her sister Carrie Ann Morrow filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Warner Brothers, Landis, and Spielberg. Oh, um because he was a producer on yeah. the movie. And they settled out of court a year later.
1: Mm. That's kind of like with the rest shooting with Alec Baldwin, because not only was he the one Pulling holding the, the gun, trigger, right. but well, we don't know if he pulled oh, okay. the trigger, but he was also a producer. So it was like, Well, maybe he's not gonna be guilty of this, but because he's a producer, he's gonna face this. You know, it's so it's interesting, even though maybe with with Spielberg specifically. He probably wasn't even on the set that day. He might not have known what was happening. But because he's a producer, you are at the top of all of those decisions. So when kids are brought in, you're going to know that. You're going to know if they're illegal. You're going to know about the paperwork. You're going to know what's happening. You're going to know what time they're shooting. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. It's like he was part of this case. And he was a producer on it. And people died. Yeah. Everyone that was on the helicopter—did they all survive? So they
0: survived. Yes, they were all injured. Okay. I don't know to what extent, but uh, yeah, they were all injured, but wow. didn't—they didn't perish. Wow. No. So in the end of the trial, all five were acquitted of involuntary Ugh. manslaughter in the connection with the deaths. It took the jury nine days to reach a verdict in the case. Court clerk Sylvia Feline read out the words not guilty 15 times, Ugh. enumerating each count against the five defendants. In an article by the New York Times, it was reported that the five defendants exchanged warm hugs. Gross. With the jury members.
1: Ew, with the jury? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to sit with each other. No. Gross. This makes me so mad because, yes, I do think it was a starstruck <laughs> yeah, situation. Yeah, I do too. Because clearly there were people on there that felt that they should have been found guilty if it took them nine days. If it took them nine days, yeah. But in the end, celebrity yeah. wins. Yeah. That makes me so angry.
0: Yep. The jury went on to say that they settled on an acquittal because the prosecution, listen to this shit. Okay. Because the prosecution, while presenting 72 witnesses... That's Could not have foreseen the crash and deemed it an unforeseeable accident.
1: It is not unforeseeable when <laughs> you are literally the ones setting up the scene. Right. Oh, my God. So I, ridiculous. Oh, it's awful. This makes me so angry <laughs> because it's so preventable.
0: It is. Oh, absolutely. And this case went on to, you know, kind of be a marker for change. Yeah. In the film community. Mrs. D'Agostino was well yeah and said a more fitting charge for landis would be second degree murder and she said i'm shocked appalled and disappointed i am too yeah (laughs) i get it and she looked amazing while saying it there you go this
1: she's a queen boss right
0: i love her i hope she's not garbage for some reason in yeah, their career. And we're just like I like her. her in this
1: instance. Got it. Just in case she's just in a shitbag in other instances. <laughs> That's awful.
0: I'm gonna look her up. The trial was a big deal in Hollywood at the time, and it generated a lot of buzz and apprehension in the industry. Mm-hmm. It made the Directors Guild of America create a safety committee to work on safety guidelines.
1: Isn't that insane that there, there wasn't. wasn't one? Right. <laughs> like, let that sink in.
0: Oh no. There were also a bunch of new safety standards around using helicopters on set, mm-hmm. from the FAA, the DGA Directors Guild, mm-hmm. uh, Warner's, and the Office of the State Fire Marshal. Okay, this is also garbage, Kate. I really hate this. Oh no! Ugh, it makes my stomach sick. A Lay bunch mommy. of directors in Hollywood at the time, rallied behind John Landis Ugh. in an open letter of support, which I think was in Rolling Stone. I couldn't find the letter. Okay. But it did happen because numerous sources talk about it. This included 16 directors total, including... Oh, no. Names like Francis Ford Coppola, mm. Ron Howard... Oh, my God. John Huston, George Lucas, Sidney <sighs> Lumet, and Billy Wilder.
1: Wow. They were all like,
0: "They're like, don't punish him. It's not his fault." Yeah, he's
1: he's the reason three people died, but like, he's so
0: good. Oh, fuckers! You know what that reminds me of? Sorry, you know what
1: it reminds me of? Because this just came out that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis wrote letters uh, in support of Danny Masterson's character. Danny Masterson was just convicted of oh rape God. and was sentenced to 30 years to life. Right. Yeah. And they had written letters so that the judge would hopefully give him a, a leaner sentence. Ew. Yeah. Ew, no. Isn't that gross?
0: Fuck. We're all just living amongst piles of garbage. Are we
1: okay, people? I don't think we are. We're not.
0: Not at all. The gremlin is back. Oh,
1: <gasps> There he is. No. Don't take Kevin. He's not done with his episode. (laughs) I only have a few more paragraphs.
0: (laughs) Actually, one. Well, That went quick. Notice that Spielberg's name's not in those list of directors. Landis was still directing all over the place after the accident. Sure,
1: of course he was. Uh,
0: And during the trial. Oh, my Um, God. He was hired by Eddie Murphy to direct the 1988 comedy Coming to America. Oh, my God. Just after the trial had ended.
1: Isn't that wild? Men. Oh.
0: His career eventually started to slow down. And he's he's actually, he's alive and still directing to this day. Oh, great. So he's um, probably going to
1: come after us now.
0: Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, this is all like on record. Oh, yeah, I stuff. know. We're fine. Um, and his most recent credit is the TV series Stan Lee's, which is why I... <laughs> <laughs> Earlier when you were like, did he play Stan Lee? And, and you were like, like, what? What? No. <laughs> The TV series, Stan Lee's Superhero Kindergarten.
1: I have never heard of that. Superhero Kindergarten?
0: Yeah. But yeah, Spielberg fucking hated Landis after this. Good. He was like, this guy's garbage. I don't want to quote him or anything because I'd need to go back and look what he said exactly. But he basically summed it up saying, like, I learned a lot and grew from this, like, Mm -hmm. to be more safe. And I don't want to deal with people who put people in jeopardy like that. Okay, well, good. He ended their friendship. Cut off contact and was like, "Fuck off, bitch." Good.
1: Well, then that makes me feel a little bit better about Spielberg through yeah. all this. Yeah. It um, also makes me think maybe he was not fully aware of what was happening and I'm, trusted I think. I
0: think he gave it over. You know, a lot of the power over to these. Four directors. Well, he was one of the. Directors. Well, he was one of the directors as well. So it's kind of like they're through shooting the three, four separate things, mm-hmm. uh, plus the prologue, which Landis right. wrote and directed.
1: But it makes me think maybe he just trusted those directors. They were very, them, you know. And he got
0: burned by it.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, yikes! So that Kate is the tragic death of Vic Morrow, Micah Lee, and Renee Shin Yi Chen during the filming of the Twilight Zone movie.
1: That is. So sad. I just think about, like, those kids. Like, you're probably so excited because you're going to be in a big Hollywood movie. And you get to meet famous people. And, and... I mean, you
0: get to go... I mean, I can't even imagine as a kid, like, walking onto a set where it's just, like, all this, like, fire and water. And, and
1: you're probably like, oh, this is cool. Yeah.
0: And have, I'm sure they were having fun. They were laughing and giggling. Yeah. And...
1: They have a trailer. And they get to hang out. And and they, and, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It just... Oh, it breaks my heart.
0: It's insane. And also I'll recommend to listeners on Shudder, there's a series called Cursed Films, Mm. and this is covered in one of those episodes. But it's definitely
1: not cursed, it's just It's not cursed people being fucking stupid. And negligent.
0: Negligence, right. These are the days of our Oh, that's the wrong thing. Sorry. I was like, that's um... (laughs) That's days of our lives. (laughs)